0: what's up artist today all of our listening friends are in for a real treat it's really time to sit down for another session of the Cool podcast this is the artist podcast it's made up of ice carvers and artists all come together positive messages coming out especially during a time when we need it with you tonight is Ken Dieterich as your host, Jess Parrish in the background as your co-host. And we're just trying to keep it cool. With my right-hand man in the background, we had a good idea with our list. And tonight, we wanna to welcome the father and daughter team, Julian and Heidi Bailey. Hello there. Hi there, thank
1: you
0: for me. Glad to be with you. Yes, how are the two of you holding up? We'll let ladies go first.
1: um not bad yeah I think the first two weeks was the hardest and now um yeah we're doing okay trying to to hold a lot of zoom meetings ourselves within our staff etc that's
0: a good idea I'm going to steal that one and do some zoom meetings with my staff just to check in on them no, do have you know what, I find
1: it really helps just uh, seeing a face and seeing how they're doing, because it's funny, everyone has their down day on a, at a different time. So I ask them if it helps, they say it does.
0: I like this. This is a good idea. All of the friends we have on here can take to note that idea. And Julian, how about you? How are you holding up there, sir?
2: I'm holding up. I, I live by myself too, so I've got no one to talk to other than the dog, and that doesn't answer back too often. <laughs> But um, <laughs> I it's, think a, time for, it's a time for worrying. It is, it is a worrying time. There's no two ways about it. Um, and we've got to try and do something. So as you said, positivity—positive positive, being positive is the answer. Um, it's easy to be negative. Um,
0: and we've yeah, just talked about some ideas. I talked about this podcast earlier, and I mentioned who I had on here, and I said... You know, Julian's kind of like one of the grand poobas of ice carving over here in North America. And we could maybe even say even further, you know, my youthfulness in comparison with your uh, a life of ice is, you know, something that's unbeknownst to me. I'm almost probably half your age. Um, so I want to talk about where this all started for you. And In a, one conversation, you said it laughed and said it wasn't of so much interest, but, you know, you've got quite the business plan. Uh, And you were able to lay it out, and we'll talk about how it transferred over to Heidi, but how did you land in the ice business?
2: It's a long story. Really, it it was a hobby. Um, And it was a, we started making ice punch bowls, which we used to sell locally to weddings and other events. And it was a good source of revenue for spending local beer and local restaurants. And from then it was very, very good. And then uh, it was Roy, uh, trying to think of the guy who came to me, Ross Navarro, a Filipino carver, still still in the business. Um, he asked us to get ice blocks and there were none available in Canada. And that it ended up with an introduction to Mike Kleinbell and we went from that point. Um, and we took a gamble in those early days. We We, we went from two machines and then quickly went to six and 12 and then ended up with 150 at one time. Um, And we had a very healthy market overseas in Europe for uh, raw blocks. But that dried up over the years as they started producing their own and the cost of shipping became prohibitive. So we lost that market basically, but we've made adjustments along the way. And then Heidi came on board after about, I think it was about eight years we've been going came general manager and then president of the company. And uh, we we get on very well together. We can discuss ideas. We argue a lot. But basically, we come up with a positive plan. So it's been going from that point.
0: What year was that that you started?
2: It started as a hobby in the 80s. 84. uh, 84. 84. Yes, thank you. And then we Registered, uh, initiated the company officially in 1993.
1: 91. This is what we do every, all day, every day.
2: All right, we argue. <laughs> all right. Sorry. 91. Sorry. <laughs> right. I'm old.
1: No, I just have to look at it up all the time and fill out the forms.
0: <laughs> That's right. There are a lot of forms, and there's, there's been a lot of forms. forms at this point. And Heidi, when you, you've been there 20 years?
1: I started probably in '95 what's that so
0: yeah uh, you've been, you've been yeah longer.
1: a long time but i i mean it's i mean it's it is a long time but i i'll you know i'll add to dad's story he simplifies it dad started a lot of businesses over the years and uh i often describe him as the true entrepreneur not so much because it's about making money but about an idea and 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 pushing an idea until you figure it out and sometimes it's not for himself like for other people as well and i and I think that's how ice culture came about to be really honest with you is is it was just this inkling that just kept having you know sparks for him. um I came back from traveling, and they'd just grown it enough they needed a hand, and so really it was it was something fun to do after university and after traveling a bit, yeah, and that was back around the night in 95, but it started, we were doing, you know, several punch bowls a week and a few blocks a week and delivering them in a pickup truck. So it's, it changed dramatically since then. And as did the learning curve, I think for everybody, but certainly Dad and Ann let me make a lot of mistakes. And I think that speaks volumes to why it worked in terms of my learning curve.
0: Very good. That is a great uh, setup, I think for the entire night. And one thing that Julian and I talked about, which is going to come up now, and I'm sure it'll come up again in the conversation, but, you know, we're all faced with this Corona. And as Julian's been around to see many more moons than we have, uh, this is still a shock and awe type of thing to him. You know, this is, I keep saying it's uncharted waters, you know, and that's not only for ice carvers, but for most businesses alike, Uh, and especially within, you know, say the last, you know. 10, 15, 20, 30, you start stacking years on top of each other. This is something that's unseen. And, you know, for most people that are are breathing today and the whereabouts of what to do is questionable. So, you know, I kind of like to give a little update on how things are going and we're supposed to be getting a little bit of a release in Ohio, which I don't think most of us agree with. It seems all the discussions online, I saw one today and it was a, you know, come May 1st, well, you find yourself willing to go sit in a restaurant six feet from other diners. And hundreds of people said no. You know, there was a few people that said, of, yeah, I'll be there. Uh, but everybody said no. And that's because they're uncomfortable. And it's probably not the right time. And most people think that way. What's the setup in your neck of the woods in Canada?
1: Um, I think we're a lot more conservative up here. and I'll, um and, and I think I compare it to, are you, you know, would you be willing to send your kids out? Would you, would you be able to put anyone that, you know, in that position? Um, and, and, and the answer is no, we're on it. We on Ontario are on a um, emergency situation until May 12th, as of right now. So everything's shut down until May 12th, at least. Um, There has been talk about other provinces opening up a few things. There's a lot of talk on whether it's, as you said, sort of welcome or sensible or not.
0: Right. The approach has to be right. And it's unfortunate that we have, you know, such a variety of news sources. And one thing I read was that this disease has a fat coating. And as it warms up, we're going to see this thing disappear because it's unprotected. And I guess if that's that simple, we can only hope because well, it, could, it could clear yeah. things up sooner than later. But, you know, we have places like Yellowknife in Canada where it's not going to get warm really, you know, for maybe another month after it does here for us.
1: Yes, but you see it you see it becoming a huge problem in South mm-hmm. America and India. And yes. so I can't put a lot of stock in that, I'm afraid, for me.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree. I saw that as well. And uh, you see the differences. It makes it completely... A misunderstanding as to where we're going to end up. We're un, no understanding.
1: I think anybody about, who has a strong opinion and really feels they have the answers are the people I trust the least, because nobody knows.
0: Isn't this so true? And when I talked to um, Dominica in France, she shared with us that all of the events were closed through September. And yeah, I think that France has taken a good approach there. Uh, it's unfortunate for businesses like ours, but that's probably the proper approach, is okay. to go ahead and give yourself. It could go away, and you could always say, hey, you know what? Let's get some things going. Yeah. But it's better I to be able to
2: the, the common thread in this, we're all in this together. And that applies to our industry, too. And unfortunately, our industry does not have a good history of reacting to these sort of downturns. Um, we, we don't come up at it with a unified voice. and that, that really disturbs me. Uh, we, we see a lot of things happening, um, which I don't agree with. Um, you know, I, the things we do, I don't want to be negative all the time too, but I mean, you, you'll you see a rise in price cutting. You always do in this one. There will always be someone there who will turn out a carving for 150 bucks cash, and you have to deal with it. Um, But if we could get together and have a unified response to this we may do better i don't know
0: this is true and it wouldn't be a bad idea to take some major players in the industry and maybe pull a a few zoom meetings together and almost like Mm -hmm. chapters to try to come up with a sense of the feeling i guess of how everyone wants to interact or not interact together and that wouldn't be a bad idea to definitely challenge uh, some of the major players in the network. I think that's a
2: very good idea. I, um, where we want to go. I know Heidi agrees that we, we discussed that maybe maybe a few of us getting together. Uh, when nine 11, a, a few of us got together and we formed a, an association called WISA, W I S A. And what, yes. it, what, it was, people who had a, the same sort of, uh, CNC equipment, we got together and we produced a four color brochure. We, we shared a lot of things, shared programs, and to a certain extent, it worked. It kept us going quite successfully. It had its flaws, but uh, it was a positive attempt to keep us going. We need something like that now, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think you know we could probably start in a Zoom meeting just like we're doing now and bring a few more heads together. As this gets listened to in the next couple of days, we'll probably have contact with a few other people who may say, if there is such a call, I myself would like to be a part of it. So be interesting to see how that turns out. But I think, you know, a week from now that should be something that's probably already set up and probably already too late, but better than not. So.
1: Yes. I, 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 your comment on it being too late. I think, I don't think, I think trying to rush into answers right now is, is, is like trying to tell the future. A little bit. I mean, I understand everyone being eager to get back to revenue-generating activities. I do, but um, I think, as you said, it's uncharted, and to try and know the know what the answer is right now is. Um, I, don't, I uh, my controller and I talk a lot. Our controller, excuse me, a lot, and and we we talk a lot about just dealing with the next you know seven days, fourteen days, and not really trying to look too far forward. Um, because you don't even know what program is going to be out there next from the government to support or, you know, to trying to make plans for employees, for example, too far out is, is a lot of energy, probably wasted because the picture changes daily.
0: Yeah, when we talked earlier, I mentioned how magnificent almost it would be if we could just stop time back on whatever you want to say it was, March 15th, and hold all the financial stuff until it becomes stable and turn the thing back on, you know, and everybody's, their bill was two weeks due, it's still two weeks due, but it's just not that easy. And we have people in every which direction, um, you know, that need assistance from people that don't have businesses to those that do have businesses. But in the uncharted water territory, it's difficult on the governments, it's difficult on um, I think all layers of society. So we're definitely in a challenge. I know that we're gonna be looking at festivals very closely. Uh, You know, all ice carving companies will be, and that's an area where the wintertime is a large source of revenue for a lot of ice carvers. And with those events being so far away, everybody's very comfortable that there's still going to be all of that business. I guess maybe we could be hopeful that it's there, but that business would be changed any way you looked at it.
1: Yeah,
2: I I, I have to go ahead, Dad. Sorry. You know, Ken and I discussed this the other day festivals are a good source of income for us and have been. And and let's go back to the reason we started them. We started them because the ice carving season generally ends on January the 2nd. And that's when carvers take off for competitions and everything else. We wanted to keep our staff employed, so we started festivals. Some were one and two block festivals, and some have grown into huge events now. Um, We probably didn't price it right, but at least we kept our staff employed, which was the key at that time. But uh, the other thing that worries me slightly is some of the hidden things that, and I discussed this with Heidi this morning, um, liability. For example, if we all go back to work, what happens if someone catches coronavirus? And, um, how can they sue us? Are we covered? Um, There's probably a simple answer to that. I don't know the answer at the moment, but I, that's the sort of thing I'd need to look into. Because you know you know you could have a great team working for you but you know things when things get in the hands of the lawyers attitudes change and things can get ugly. so I'd need to clear that up too so there are, there are a lot of hidden things there which we need to discover and address.
0: one thing um, that you just mentioned was keeping a staff and I wrote down some comments that I wanted to talk about because we're in such an ever-changing business. And, you know, that workforce that you were working to keep, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of carvers went out into competition carving. And I like, you know, and you may agree or may not agree, but the competition carvers, sometimes to a degree, they learn a lot of things that you're just not going to pick up in a normal shop. Uh, They have the variances in the temperatures. You know, it can just be that they're not on level ground and uh you know there's all these little fighting avenues that i think add a lot of strengths to a carver that's going to be a 3d sculptor but in today's world we have really two we have more than two hands in an ice carving shop but you have sculptors carvers who are using cnc and the components of that to do their pieces and then you have carvers that are still doing 3d sculpting if i was to venture into the ice culture shop and take on your culture would you think that I would be more trained as a three D sculptor in your shop, or would it be something that we'd be looking to use more technology, CNC or other? I can
2: make a point there that we, we do a lot of cross training. Um, we we don't employ just just ice carvers. They're they're capable of doing a lot of things. They can run a CNC machine. They they pitch in in all aspects of the business, and that's a must too because we we experience peaks and valleys in our marketplace, and you just can't have people dedicated to one job. So would,
1: you're not going to hire probably either way. But to answer your question, Ken is, um, we try to make sure that because we're we're much smaller than we were in 2008. I can you know I can pinpoint the day practically where we went from a, a, a staff of 50 down to a staff of 20. It was It was a horrible day um and so so my our goal all all the time is to have um more than one person that can do each job definitely at different levels but you know can technically get through the day on two different tasks whether it be programming or or cnc operation or, or carving um the other thing we do is we in the in the busy time we have a very busy time like everyone from december to to march and um, we've started this sort of calendar booking because we can't take all the jobs we're asked to do anymore. And we very much direct our clients to what we're available to do in terms of the task, like whether it be 3D or, or c and And sometimes it's both, but sometimes you really just can't, don't feel comfortable on that other job. So to answer your question, it would, it would depend on the current staff and, and who was no longer available um, to, to whom we would hire. But we generally look for the most versatile people now.
0: Yeah, I could agree a lot with you there in terms of, you know, you don't, like I said, kind of in the beginning of the talk, it's really not like there's one or two positions in an ice shop, there's a lot. And when it gets to become winter time in our shop, everybody's doing demos. And that means everybody has to know how to do a 3D carving or more, right? And and most of them know how to do several carvings. Mm -hmm. We did find ourselves in a position with a weekend where we had a few festivals. We had to kind of power play all the ideas to position who could carve where based on skill
2: level.
0: That would come up uh, in everyone's business. You know so but that 3d sculpture will always be needed for sure i know that how
1: you position your business too um
0: yeah we have carvers like jess parrish back there who doesn't have a cnc machine and he runs everything you know by hand and awesome. so 3d sculpture is definitely his lead-in yeah you want to comment on that jess thank you thank you so much for for being a part of this, and what, what Ken's saying is true, and uh, the CNC is uh, is a part of it. It's a big part of it for, for many people. And for us, it has not been a big part of it. Jess, you've really leaned on a lot of big projects, huh? I don't say lean, but that's what you do. You do big projects.
2: Yes, we do. Um, and. I guess it all started, Heidi, right with the ice lounges, wasn't it? I think we've done more than, I think we've done more than anybody. Um, it'd be close. I know Peter Slaven, of course, has a group doing minus five now, which is where we started. Um, that taught us a lot, and we really used our CNC machines to advantage. But our approach to the ice lounge is very different to Peter's, for example. Uh, they've just redone one of the lounges, ice lounges in Vegas and they send a team of seven or eight quality carvers down and they work for two weeks. And do, But we do everything in the studio and then ship the finished product and send a crew to put it up. Slightly different. Um, I don't, I'm not saying we're right or we're wrong. I, um, that's the way we've worked it and it just worked extremely well.
0: I never knew that. So that's good. I knew you were tied in in the beginning, but I didn't know, you know what your outlying differences were. So that's just cool to know in the background of it all. Yeah. The, uh, when we're talking big projects. You know, some some projects are going to be going across the country. Are going to have some troubles more than likely this winter. We talked being, about the Gaylord projects.
2: Yeah, being one of the larger being one of the larger companies in the business, I and mean, we can send five people to, to Western Canada or overseas for a week or so. It'd be very hard for a two man shop to do that. What um, Especially in the season, in our busy season,
0: this is true. Smaller shops, uh, less people involved, and I kind of wonder how we're going to do this with, you know, like I just mentioned, Gaylord properties, because they have such a, you know, they have a large group of Chinese carvers that come in, and uh, how they're paid, and how that's all worked, and how things are moved around to cover all those expenses is unknown to me. But the carvers themselves may not be able to come here. And Gaylord may be looking for, you know, that carving assistance and that carving...
2: I'll well, uh, make no bones about it. We've been approached by them and we've talked to them, but it's very difficult. That, that whole sequence of uh, the Gaylord properties, for example, is a cultural exchange. Um, the right. U.S. will send the... New York Philharmonic Orchestra to China, and in return, they'll get so many carvers to do it to do one of the Nashville or Texas installations. Right. Um, it comes down to money, of course. Um, it's, it's certainly worth looking at, um, but I don't know whether we can make it work or not. How do you feel about that, Heidi? Um, it, it,
1: it's a massive undertaking that I think is, um, sorry, I have a ton of thoughts about it. So I'm just trying to compose them, but um, I think it's an awesome opportunity for the North American groups. I think it's done in the style of of the carving on site, which is not what we do. Um, it's not what we're set up to do. And when I say that, it, what I mean is our our carvers that we have in house don't even travel that often to the demo, occasionally. So I think the answer, for, I think it's a great opportunity. I do think budgets will be the ultimate problem. Um, I think project management is the biggest, the other biggest challenge of the whole thing. I think a complement between the way we operate and the way a non site carver works is actually a great compliment because too many, too many leads on site which would happen with a combination of a bunch of small shops culturally we are just so different than the chinese i mean it'd be a really awesome fly on the wall <laughs> i think it'd be great i just don't know who's paying
0: yeah this is still to be seen and like you said we can't even predict the future so we don't even know if the gaylord properties are going to get to go um
1: yeah so i i like, yeah. I think it would be I mean, if they can do it smaller and they're willing to, to they have to start early because, of course, everyone in our groups have businesses to run, businesses to run, and jobs to take or not take, and they're going to be needed. So we it's not like we can sit there and hope. Um, so, just like Gaylord's priority would be to get the Chinese carvers over for many reasons, I'm sure. And so that waiting game may not work. It wouldn't work for us, for example, unless unless it was right in our down season, it, 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 we couldn't risk it. And when I say us, I mean, I think it's, I think it's everybody. I'm just, can only speak from our point
0: of view. And I agree with that. You know, I think that all good graces come and the winter season hits us and we get to be as busy as we've always or ever been, you know, the Gaylord would find that they didn't have American carvers <laughs> for them month because everyone pretty much has a project and every finger that they've got. So it's a a busy time. And for for them, that could become a a bottleneck. So we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I think it's interesting. I think project management-wise...
0: I do, too, as well. Well, for future thought, we'll see where that whole thing goes. Uh, Julian and I talked yesterday, and... Heidi, when we had a conversation, we touched on it today, and, you know, that's one thing that it gets talked about a little bit, but is, uh, should an association for the carvers get kicked back into gear? I was the director of NICA for a number of years, and uh, Jess was on the board at one time for a number of years as well, and we kind of rode that last couple years where there was, like, a bad taste in carver's mouth, and the... But things changed, and it wasn't as, I guess, systematic for businesses, and the businesses were completely disinterested in what NICA had, and we did do a lot of things like ACF and cater source and things to cater strictly to the business model, but there was a great time of year where the volunteer group was overran by competitions, and it's funny because everyone that was a volunteer was running around competing and very busy in that November, December, January, February, March. I think. Right. Uh, really very difficult to have, you know, a dedicated group of volunteers. All of them wanted to truly be dedicated, they did. Um, of course. I think an association has a place and I wonder, as I mentioned to Julian, is really is there a place for a business association and is there an association that's maybe more for artists and the competition side of things? I've always felt that the, it was interesting that we had art that was judged, business tied into that. Because in some cases you have an artist, we'll say all the way off to one side is an artist, and all the way off to the other side is a business person. And those people have to meet in the middle if they're gonna have a ice carving company. That person that's a business person has to become more to the artist side and vice versa. And you have to pick up both traits for sure. Yes, so great. Go right ahead there.
2: I, I, I certainly think, I've, I've been keen on the idea of an association. I don't know whether the industry is ready for it. It should be, but I don't know if it is because it's gonna cost money. You, um, volunteers, you lose accountability Um, And that's going to be the big thing you've got to have to have. Someone's got to be responsible for whatever's taken on. And if you're a volunteer, it's it's an easy way out, I'm afraid.
0: This is true. And, you know, a lot, there were volunteers, if I could say that there was, you know, 30 board members that uh, were involved in my time, you know, the better part of half of them really, really tried to be involved. And the other half were too busy. Even if they wanted to be involved, they just couldn't and they maybe honestly didn't figure that out. So definitely something to think about the difficulties of operating one. And I know in the current situation, we see, you know, large, 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 large groups like the American Coloring Federation, uh, even having problems, but.
1: I think um, for what it's worth, I I think that there's, a, there's this discussion going on always of whether NICA is the right um, organization or not. And I, I, I believe that it takes more momentum to start a new organization than, I, than to change an existing organization purely administratively. And I'm not an expert in these things. Um, and I believe that NICA could be changed to suit its membership if it was willing, because it is actually just paperwork, and it's really, as you say, it's about the volunteers, and it happened that at a time, the volunteers happened to be focused on the comp- competition circuit, which is which is great. Um, so I, I think there's a whole bunch of layers to this conversation, and I think one that has to be tackled is, is knowing two things. One is NICA willing to morph into something different, whatever that something is, and it are the people that want a business association are they clear on their goals? Because I think it's great to say, I want an association of anything you want. There's a million out there, but unless you know what you want out of it, how does anyone solve that problem of what it should look like? So when I hear the words business association, I go, okay, sure. That's, I get those two words, but what do you want out of it? And I, I genuinely don't know what everybody wants out of a business association. And I think if you could, if you could drill down on that, whether it be in a, people that are interested in participating um, in specifics, then you could create subcommittees. Like there's lots of special event associations that have to exist in a lot of different fields. And they have subcommittees that, sorry, not even event associations, all associations. And they, they drill down into subcommittees that deal with specific issues. So perhaps one is competition because that is the passion of certain members. And possibly some of it is, is management of a business. Like for us, one of, I was trying to think what it would be the one thing I wish I could have brought more to the table on, and it would actually be HR. It would have nothing to do with ice. And, um, so it would be nice to have if, if, if everyone was willing to do that, and then you could actually decide whether this quote business association actually feeds all the people's needs, because if really all we want is answers in a crisis has those. So we have to really truly know what we want out of it. If, it. if it's buying power, for example, or if it's, you know, bulk buying power or bulk positioning, that's great. That's not international. Like we could not be a part of that for the obvious or very few items. I would think we could be a part of as Canadians. Um, so I think to really ask yourself, what is it that you feel you need out of a business association would answer the question over whether it exists. because if everyone's just waiting for somebody to tap dance.
0: And and be very tap good. dancing they're going to wait for. Her.
1: Yeah well then well, there's not do. much point. We can all just have a drink and, together and do that.
0: And we'll take a drink of maple syrup. Have you seen these posts about Stefan Cook's maple syrup?
2: Yes I've seen
0: it. Has he sent you any? No. Well he should. I mean he everyone's making these claims to fame that it's so tasty. I didn't <laughs> buy any yet but I think I'm going to have to. I did get some of the man's honey at a boot camp recently. <laughs> i <It in> <laughs> This is a challenge for him. I dare you to send your maple syrup across the border, Mr. Stephan Cook. (laughs) Uh, We
1: we we are, yeah, one of our staff members makes his own syrup. I think this is a good
0: challenge. Oh, I like this, yeah. So I like, uh, Stefan's. always been very involved in so many things and he's taken on all kinds of, you know, positive things while we've been on this uh, break, so to speak. So shout out to Stefan. We'll have him on here on the podcast one of these days. And I'm sure he'll have a lot of one-liners to challenge us with. (laughs) with. I'd like to know um, from both of you, what's your favorite story? And and it can be ice, arts, or it can be a life that that something happened around this whole business idea or the arts of the idea. And if we could start with Julian, if you've got a, a story that you remember, like I remember the ice truck. And the whole ice truck. When people talk about things, and I'm like, "Oh, ice culture." You remember that thing about the ice truck? And they're like, "Oh no!" And I'm like, "The truck made out of ice." And it seems like everybody asks. They're like, "Oh yeah, I remember seeing something about that." Well, I'll, I'll let Heidi
2: talk about that because that was her. I'm original put
0: idea. in my hand. I've got, I got a roll back here in my office. <laughs> uh, let's see here. It's Mega Blocks World <laughs> Builders, Canadian <laughs> Tire. 486 pieces. I've got a few
1: more. You can have them.
0: Well, I bought two of them. I bought one just to leave like on the shelf in my garage as a trinket. And I bought one to put together with my son. And uh, he's just about the right age. And he'll think it's totally awesome. And then he'll drive it off of the dining room table and bust it into a million pieces. (laughs) (laughs) Or 486 pieces to be exact. But yeah, Julian, what, what story do you think encompasses a... Well, I,
2: I, I'm, I'm very much into marketing, and, I, and I, I, I'll put up that uh, the ice truck is one of the uh, best marketing uh, programs I, I've ever been associated with. Now, I'd like to claim that I did it, but I didn't. It was uh, Canadian Tire themselves, but they—it was a very interesting uh, system. They, we had to sign waivers saying we wouldn't talk about it until the. Uh, advertisement appeared, which was New Year's Day um, at the international hockey, outdoor hockey game. But they didn't, that didn't stop them putting it on their website. And by the time our phone went red hot, people from the States, wanting what, what are we doing? We just couldn't say. By the time the game was played and the advertisement was shown, they had over 3,000 hits on the website. And it appeared in, we had 79 pages of YouTube references, 79, from all over the world, even the I believe it. The only, uh, the guy who owns our little Indian gentleman, owns our local convenience store, came in because it actually appeared in his local paper somewhere in, in, in India. He, they don't even know what ice is there, for goodness sake, but it had pictures and the story and everything else. So. It was a very, very clever marketing scheme, very clever, and the result was their sales went up by seventy-one percent. That's a figure I always remember of the battery. That's for the batteries, yes. That's what it was. It was, was a crazy project.
0: You know that the the battery might have been seventy-one percent, but the residual uh, residual sales around that, you know, they were huge too.
2: Yes, indeed. Yes. And so I, uh, that was one of the most interesting projects, and we have a, we've had a lot of challenges and. Heidi can tell some amusing stories. We did a job at the White House. Not many people have done that. Uh, for Barack Obama, Mr. Trump hasn't invited us yet, but um, not likely to. <laughs> but um, uh, That was that caused a lot of interest. And there was an interesting, amusing story attached to that when I got a call from a guy in San Diego, <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning, asking what the, ice culture trucks were doing driving all over the White House lawn. Well, I could only laugh at that point in time, and that's in the morning anyway. But what had happened, uh, this guy's brother was a personal security detail to Barack Obama. He saw the truck, saw Hensel on it, phoned his brother, who's in the ice business, who then phoned me. So our little secret was out within about 30 seconds everywhere.
1: It was, it was a, a challenging project. It was a great project.
2: Yeah, it was.
1: I was told on site that it was a state dinner, and the president can't be seen to fail, so nothing can go wrong. All these events, all the very stressful ones, I've noted.
0: <laughs> no big deal.
1: Oh, big deal! The ice won't melt; it's fine.
0: Yeah, yeah we've think- seen that. It was a couple years ago in the Grammys. One of the sculptures that was supposed to be there wasn't there. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, so these things do happen. We
2: they do do. Have- oh, yes. they but do. A, The other story we did, which we where we worked with Peter on and his crew, was the Disney Castle in Times Square. That was that was a tremendous pro- project in terms of administration wise.
1: It was great, actually. It was it was a it was a true collaborative one that we don't do a lot of just because we have a, quite a number of staff, of course. And it was it was really cool to work so. Well, to be able to work the way you work, but actually to be able to, and then throw hit Peter and his crew in, who are, you know, like a whole bunch of lightning bolts. Um, it was cool. It was very
0: cool. I've some done a few projects, or I've been at some few projects with Peter Slavin, and he is uh, definitely quite the character. Uh, I love his passion for art. I always say he is somebody that really puts art into ice and I can't wait to have him on the podcast and that's a shout out to him here that
1: I like getting to know him I don't often get to dad has the pleasure of talking to people all the time but I don't and it was nice um and it was new using cranes it was the first time we'd used a crane to build and and well I mean obviously Peter's crew was doing that but it was it was great it was very interesting learning experience
0: yeah, we've had to use a lot of, you know, lifts and cranes, I guess, as we've gone along. You know, those years in Alaska, Jess can attest, they built the tallest sculpture nice. recorded up there in Alaska, the Jack and the Beanstalk, um, which I don't think was the name. But the, uh, you know, so using lifts and going up on scaffolding and all that kind of stuff is part of a competition, Carver, they sure. Pick it up when they're out on the road. And then, yeah, doing those things in projects uh, and, you know, in Times Square, how much fun is that? Yeah, it was a very interesting
2: project. And, you know, they were, we had to go, is it 31 feet high, Heidi? I think. Um,
1: yeah, I think so. About 31
2: feet, and we thought that was tall enough. Then you go to Harbin and they're doing 160 feet. You know.
1: Well, I'm just, I'm a super cautious person. I, we I have to
2: be.
0: Safety never takes a vacation.
1: Yeah, I, I have a hard time watching. I, there was a time, now I walk away. It's an ongoing joke in our place.
0: Earlier, you mentioned HR, and I was a chef, uh, that's what I mean, that's what I did my my whole career, and as a young chef, I discovered that, um, you know, I, I advanced really quickly, and I had a lot of older people working for me, I was young, and working in the hotels, and I was going around to different places, and I said, I really need to get a degree in human resources, and I went and got one, I did part of it in class, and part of it online, And I already had my culinary degree, but I was like, why don't I go ahead and get this because I need it. And I said, this advanced me so fast against most chefs that I was around and that I got to work with for years because I was much more capable of managing a team. And I learned a lot of that through HR. So that's kind of a shout out, I think, between Heidi and I I can both tell anyone that's looking to be in business. It's an important part of it. And if you look away from it and say that we don't need that, Uh, by golly you're wrong because in some way you're doing it anyway uh, and you might just need to change your path to make it work better for other people so something good we're gonna get we're gonna get close to closing out here and I'd like to see if uh, both of you have kind of a shout out message to give to the community and it can be uh, you know a hey hang in there or it can be some advice or you can take one minute or you can take 20 minutes I really don't mind Uh, (laughs) but we'll start with Heidi and uh, you know as we talk today as businesses, we're all facing some challenges and, you know, which way it's going to go. We don't know, but you know, the floor's yours and you can make it as short, as sweet as you want.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I, uh, I wish I had a lot of value to add. Um, I wish I could predict the future. I am uneasy. Um, I'm uneasy about whether that winter season will return quite like we all want it to, um, at least in our area. Um, But I do believe having weathered SARS in Toronto, which was a huge problem, and 2008, which was my worst time for sure, and 2014 when Ice Culture did a major revamp, which is not often not discussed very much, but we did, um, some big decision-making in our family and, and our structure. So having been through those, I guess my advice would be that if you have the the passion for what you're doing and you truly want to believe that you can do it, you will um, Can You absolutely can. There's always a way to get through and yes, it's going to need a ton of creative creative thought, but I would suggest you stay true to yourself and your needs as you make those decisions. Because I think, I think Ken and I talked about your own self care, health, It's very easy as an entrepreneur who's passionate about something to overlook that and throw, go all in. And you can only go all in so much with money because it has, it's finite. But somehow I, I think as entrepreneurs and as ice people, we have a great deal of energy and a great deal of ability to make stuff. That's not what I want to say. Make stuff happen. And I think I would just encourage you to do it carefully because once you win, you got to keep it going um, and to pace that, pace that carefully and not try to figure it out all in one go. And mostly I think that, well, I shouldn't speak for that, but if, if we can be of use to anybody, we would love that because certainly we're going to need help from everyone else. <laughs> and I think that's it for me.
2: Yeah, no, I, I endorse everything you've said. I think we're all in this together. We should face it together and I go back to the, something we said earlier on, that a a Zoom meeting amongst uh, selected people, key people, for a general discussion of how we face the future would be very worthwhile. I think we're gonna face, we are gonna face some definite challenges and I gave one to Ken the other day. Um, Our local bank, for example, is now operating remotely. and I spoke to the manager the other day and said, he's surprised how well it's going. Now he's saying, well, maybe we should stay this way and we just need a, a one-room office somewhere. We do not need a big building. Um, I think you're gonna see changes in that area. In, in insurance companies too, that have big flashy offices, even in small towns, they don't need them. Their staff are working remotely um, and it's working extremely well. I have a, a daughter-in-law, one in, in, well, of my brother's uh, daughter-in-law I should say, works for Johnson & Johnson. And they've been working remotely for six six months to a year. And she goes in the office once a month, and yet they get the business done. These are the sort of changes that are going to take place, and we've got to be ready to meet them and adapt. So that's all I can really add to that. Um, I wish I had the answers as Heidi Um We're on the phone every day trying trying to think things out and shooting them down. And I don't know quite where we're going. I don't know how anybody's facing it. It'll be very, and as I say, a talk amongst people involved in the industry would be very worthwhile.
1: I would like to add one thing, if I may. Yes. With all the doom and gloom on the event industry, and I do think it's dire, and the changes that are inevitable, I will say that I truly believe that Events will happen in some form or another. And and I'm talking about corporate, not festivals. They will happen too. But um, I do think for all these remote offices and things that are inevitable, I think that people will need to get together. And when they need to get together, that meeting will become crucial. And I do know in everything that I've done that ICE is the one surefire message deliverer. Uh, impact deliver and that if we maintain that as our sales pitch um, I do think we we remain relevant in some way
2: I agree
0: I agree as well and that's uh, a great way to wrap up the evening I think we've had a, a great bit of conversation I was glad that the two of you were able to fill the air with a lot of good information and I think it'll make people have a lot of food for thought And I think it could lead to a discussion as uh, Julian and I have alluded to from a conversation that we had days ago. Um, I know when this is all over, we could have you guys back on this podcast in, you know, maybe a year's time and see where we're at and kind of do a recap. And I think that would be good. I think that we'll have a good following with this one because both of you are highly respected within the industry. And we've had a good following with the other podcasts that we've had out at this point. This is the sixth podcast. And with that, uh, you know, I hope to pick up a few more listeners could be one could be 20. I don't know. Um, so I wish I think
1: it's great. You're having the conversation.
0: Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Jess. Thank you both. Awesome. I appreciate you both. So I'll clue it out, I'm gonna look at what the time is